Can a marriage survive infidelity? We dig deep to explore this thorny question. Join me, Jean-Claude Chalmet, and founder of The Place Retreats and a featured columnist for The Times, with Amy Cooper and Louise Daniels, on The Place Retreats podcast. Search Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite Android app. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to your next episode with me, Louise. And me, Amy. I'm really excited about today's guest. I think he's someone we could spend all day chatting with, Amy. So um, we're going to have to rein ourselves in a bit. Nothing um, new there. No, yeah. <laughs> but when our listeners hear him, I think there'll be light bulbs going off and they're going to end this episode feeling really good. Um, so let me set the scene. I'm 51 and life's pretty good. I've got my health, my kids. I've got a good relationship. Money in the bank, nice house blah 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 but for some reason that I haven't been able to put my finger on sometimes everything just feels a bit blur um, and it's not um, it's not uh, depression but it's just a kind of nagging sense of discontentment and I don't know like, I don't know what well I've done a bit of research for this episode so I'm starting to understand mm. why um, and that's something I wouldn't normally admit to because you know uh, everything's hey yeah everything's pretty okay for me so um, you know very much first world problems um, and I'm going to sound like a sport brat but actually it is a shitty way to feel yeah. um, but it's okay because good news two bits of good news in fact one it's absolutely normal to feel that way and I know for a fact that everyone else my my kind of age um, feels that way too um, they're just not admitting it so um, and um, <laughs> two it's going to get better and I know that because there's research and science to back that up. Um, because all over the world, across all cultures and even other species, studies show that happiness decreases from early adulthood. So from, you know, around sort of um, early 20s, you your happiness just sort of drops, 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 You're drops, just drops. Just steadily getting more just, miserable. Yes. And, right. <laughs> and then you get to late 40s, early 50s, and it sort of levels out. And then happiness increases through your 50s. And it continues to do so until the end of life. So if you imagine like a U-shaped curve. Um, so, um, you know, it's it's all about to you know kick off for me in a wonderful way. Um, and it's called The Happiness Curve. And our guest today, Jonathan Rauch, has written a book called The Happiness Curve, Why Life Gets Better After 50. And I, and I can't stress this enough. This is 
evidence-based stuff. There's bit, you know, he'll explain it all, you know, much, much better than I can. Um, you know, but obviously, I, I have warned you already via WhatsApp. I think Amy, this could be another all about Louise episode. Um, <laughs> the irony is not lo- lost on me, Louise. That you're just giving me a nice big signpost. Yeah. Like I, I'm 43, so just take advantage of the next few years when you're going to be okay. But. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, what, in four, three years? I'm well, just going to hit the skids in yeah. terms of my mood. Yeah, well, no, I mean, the thing is, right, so the shit is yet to really hit the fan fully for you, yes, mm-hmm. in, in a way, but actually you've been, you've been, you know, I mean, that might sound ruthless, but at 43, you know, I mean, I can say this because I'm 51, you know, at 43, you know, you, you've still got a spring in your step, you've got glossy hair, you've got <laughs> elasticity in your skin. So, you know, you can just suck that up, sunshine. But, you know, you, you, you do, what I wanted to know is, do you recognise... Um, when I'm talking about that decrease in in contentment since your early 20s, it's not about being like miserable or depressed. It's more a contentment thing, I would think, more than happiness. Um, but, I mean, and you had a reset in uh, after your 40th, didn't you? With you yeah. know, comedy. Yeah. What What are your thoughts? Is any of this sounding familiar to you? I, I guess it's that thing, isn't it? Of like you have this like you say, an upward slope of kind of like, you know, you're, you're 12, 13, 14. Obviously, you've got your, your hormones kicking off and stuff, but mm. the world is full of possibility yeah. and anticipation and maybe hope and, you know, mm. what you're going to do with your life. And then, yeah, I guess... So. <laughs> <laughs> sort of gradually, gradually, yeah. you know. Um, there, there is that thing of like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, this is that life I was looking forward to. So is this it? Yeah. Is, is, is well, this it? well, the thing is, you know what, he, uh, jo- and Jonathan Rouch will explain this better. Is that he talks about the fact that, like, through your twenties, thirties, particularly, you know, you've got goals and you've got, and, and you think that once you you get to a certain point, you're you're you'll be like, that's when I'll be happy and that's when everything will be. And th- but then what happens is you move those goals, so you just go, you know, um, uh, you know uh, so. He will explain it all you know, much better than I can. But I think just to be clear um, to anyone listening, this isn't going to be an episode with you know like self help suggestions. You know, there's there's there'll be no sort of brisk walks or journaling suggested. And you know, mm. uh, and of course, all those things are beneficial and should be worked into your life. Um, but it's also really important to understand that. I think we're fed this kind of slightly mocking phrase, uh, midlife crisis, which isn't helpful because Mm. um, we're not broken or in crisis. And this is, you know, this um, and I think for lots of people around midlife who are feeling that what I was talking about before, about that sort of everything's fine. I've I've got all the things that I thought I wanted, uh, but I just feel a bit, you know, Um, and understanding it's normal and it's a transition that we actually need to go through to reach that sort of upward curve. And and I think we what we forget sometimes is that you know as humans we're you know we're pretty fucking complex and there will be other things going on and maybe we do need to make changes but you know if we can start considering how we're feeling with a really good understanding of everything that's going on um that's got to be beneficial I mean like like we wouldn't these days laugh at teenagers and the transitions that they go through and this is kind of the same thing I think you know Mm. it sounds very similar to me as I say our guest will explain it better but I think and we've talked about this loads and loads on on here we're very unforgiving of midlife we make fun of menopausal women and men having midlife crises and you know actually you know like that's just not acceptable really we're all going to reach this stage if we live long enough so perhaps we should be I mean we definitely should be a bit more thoughtful and compassionate um 
to ourselves and those around us. And, and I'm just thinking as you're saying uh, this stuff, Louise, it, I guess you just you just hinted there, touched on the point that massive, big, life-changing decisions shouldn't be made on the basis of feeling a bit... Nah. No. And you hear, you hear about... You know, uh, especially sort of, yeah, that mid 40s, your kids have grown up a bit, and a lot of relationships do fragment at mm. that point, don't mm. they? Yeah. And I wonder how, me- how much of that is, is based on that, uh, it's actually this person that I'm with. Yeah. It's all a bit m- meh. Yeah. I mean, I don't think this happiness curve thing is a cure all. You know, there will no, be. It's just things... another factor to yeah. consider, though, isn't it? And also, it? there are things that come into your life, like, you know, health problems or financial, uh, yeah, problems, financial or, yeah. problems or, you know, or a, a pandemic. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, uh, but I, I just wonder if maybe if we all understood this, this curve, which, you know, has been proved, you know, as a say across countries across cultures um and even also in chimps and orangutans as well they 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 did sort of wow then they've done brain scans and things so they mm. they know this is a thing um so this doesn't discriminate in terms of what your uh, socioeconomic status is your your gender your no my age, understanding well. is but we'll get jonathan rouch to explain properly but my understanding is that uh, it, like they, when they did these studies, they took away the things, you know, those things that we, yeah, you know, we've just referred to. Um, I, I don't know how they do that, but you know, they they did it so that they were measuring like for like, you know, huge studies. So um, and they did brain scans and things, yeah, as well. Um, mm. And yeah, so and maybe if we all understood that a little bit, there would be it would. It, it would mean that we're a bit more considered in our approach when we're feeling like this and don't just make impulsive decisions like, oh, you know, I'm I'm just going to walk out of my marriage or, you know. Uh, so, but, you know, as I say, I think we are complex and there are, it's just, it's just another thing to listen to. <laughs> I am recording remotely from home today because obviously we are in this uh, sort of, uh, lockdown second nationally lockdown, yeah yeah mm-hmm. se- second lockdown and i'm so glad that the uh, email that i sent to the bin men to turn up at two o'clock just as we start recording <laughs> to empty everybody's bins on the street i'm so glad they're so punctual these guys i can't and hear he, them you, know, I can't hear you can't okay no, so. <laughs> i can't hear them at all <laughs> so today's guest jonathan rouch has he's like written loads of books and things and he writes a lot about government and politics he's like he's a really super clever bloke um, and he's he's won he's won loads of awards and things you know really prestigious well writes for people like the New York Times the Economist the Atlantic um, and yeah so really it's going to be interesting I think he's going to be really interesting but he's really got away with words you know well I mean obviously he's got away with words because as I've just said he's won. It's one massive awards. He doesn't need me to tell him he's got away with the words, does he? Do you know what? I think this might be the pivotal point in his career <laughs> yeah, where it's just I'll all confirmed. What... All the hard work is confirmed. Do you know what, Jonathan, if you're listening, you can have that for your website. Yeah, he's got away with words. Louise Daniels, your next episode. <laughs> <laughs> There's a testimonial yeah, for there you, There we go. You can have that right there for, for nothing. And that's coming up in just a sec. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Jonathan Rausch, welcome to your next episode. I'm happy to be here for my Hi. next episode. <laughs> uh, you've written seven books, including this one, and many, many articles for various big publications on a wide range of topics, including government and culture. How did you get interested in the subject of happiness? I suffered a bizarre and alarming midlife funk that began descending on me when I was about turning 40. It got worse into... Mm-hmm. My mid-40s, I would wake up in the morning with strange voices telling me I had wasted my life, that I had done nothing worthwhile, that I had to start everything over, that I needed to quit my job. And in my case, what was alarming about that was that I had exceeded all of my goals in life, every single one. You know, I had I had come out as gay and and had a successful relationship and and written for all the top magazines and published books. Every I, I had all my dreams come true, and here yet. I felt ungrateful and disappointed. That became alarming. I thought maybe I was depressed. I thought maybe my personality had changed in a bad way. And that made me even more alarmed. And I, I spiraled. I, I didn't seek professional help, but I stayed in the closet about it. I didn't tell people. When I was about 50, it began to subside, even though I had big setbacks in life, death of parents, loss of job, that sort of thing. And around the same time, I, with the think tank where I worked, I learned about this new science of, of happiness, which was finding something called the happiness U-curve, which is exactly what I experienced. It's a science that shows that other things equal, which they're usually not, but other things equal. Midlife is a time of disappointment and pessimism and transition. And it was exactly what I experienced. So I decided to write a book about it so that other people would not be as scared and alarmed as I was. 
Right. Mm -hmm. The happiness curve, what's your definition of happiness? Is it actually contentment or... No. No? No, it's its own thing. So this is really important. There there are two big categories of, of happiness that people study. And one is called affective happiness. And that's how cheerful are you? Mm. And they find that out by asking you questions like, how often did you smile today? How much stress do you feel? That sort of thing. And that's sort of Mm. your passing emotional condition. There's something else called evaluative happiness. And that's what we're talking about. And that's how satisfied are you with your life as a whole? Then that's gotten out with questions like, on a scale of one to 10, if 10 is the best life you could imagine for yourself, where would you put yourself? Or questions like, overall, how satisfied are you with, with your life? And these things are actually very different. People can be depressed yet feel very good about their satisfaction with, with their lives and vice versa. It's the latter which is really the controlling variable for midlife, uh, midlife transitions. And that's this question of, well, do I feel satisfied with my life? Mm. So that's what we're talking about here. And that actually turns out to be more important than affective happiness for long-term happiness. So what are the explanations for that dip in happiness and then that increase? So the, the curve, uh, what's, what, is, is there like a scientific explanation for that? We're much better on the what than the why at this point. Mm-hmm. The what is that if I could sort of do that before we get into the possible explanations, just to tell people what's, mm. what's going on here. The what is that if you look at life satisfaction, well, here's, here's how we found out about this. Some economists of all people got hold of these gigantic data sets, countries around the world, millions of data points asking people about their satisfaction in life. And being statisticians, they went through all this data and said, well, let's just correct for everything. Let's find out the effect of income, education, employment, health, marital status, all the other things they could, they could find. And they factored those in to see what the effect was on life satisfaction. And then they factored them all out. They just said, well, what happens if you take every all the differences between people out of the equation? And they expected to find nothing. But what kept turning up by accident, really, was this strange relationship between happiness and age, even when nothing else is going on, right? They've taken out the variables. So it's as if Jonathan and Louise and Amy are all having the exact same life conditions yet they're likely to be feeling this slump in midlife. So this is began to be discovered in the early 2000s. It's now been documented in countries all over the world in massive data sets. There is no difference between men and women, which surprises people, zero difference. It's well established. The, the underlying trend is exactly the same in both. It, it doesn't mean that, that any particular person will experience this because there are a lot of other things going on in our lives, but it does mean other things being equal, time works against happiness until about middle age, and then it flips. It starts working for happiness. So that's that's the what, and you asked about the why, and I'm sorry to filibuster, but I thought I could do them in that order if that's all yeah. right. Yeah, 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 sure. So there's no difference for men and women. What about um, menopause for women? Does that not doesn't, Im- impact? Doesn't show up. No one knows why. Wow. People think it's, I suspect it's a couple of things. I suspect one is that that's more about affective happiness, which is how you feel. Mm. 
today, you know, your mood right. than it is about your right. contentment in life. And another is I think people adjust for it. I think it's it's so well known that this is something that happens that no one goes around saying, well, this is this is going to ruin the rest of my life. Right. I won't achieve my dreams because of menopause. So I think it kind of gets sidelined. Ah, right. Okay. It does feel like midlife is quite a transitional stage. Uh, you know, we the reason I were talking about it before, and I, I was sort of thinking about all those people who do feel that kind of meh, M-E-H, which I'm just, that's my scientific terminology coming through there. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, you know, like people will get divorced. People will uh, make decisions on that feeling of, oh, is this it? This is shit. Mm. You know, like, and, and, I, and we were saying like, God, if there was maybe a bit more recognition or tolerance or an understanding that this is just part of it, ride it out. I mean, how can we sort of manage it within ourselves? Like, it, Jonathan, tell us what to do. We just need you to tell <laughs> your advice. Did I mention I have a book on this? And there's there's two whole chapters on what to do. We we have talked. We, our introduction does talk about the book. Yeah, quite a lot. So <laughs> a, a huge thing about what to do is exactly what you just said, which is which is so perceptive. So there's the underlying phenomenon, which is this tendency to feel disappointed and pessimistic in middle age. But then there's this further phenomenon of becoming alarmed and worried about that and then not telling people about mm. it. So letting yourself become isolated, all of these things happen to me. Mm. A very important thing to do, there are lots of others which we can talk about, but an important thing to do is just understand that if you're experiencing one of these midlife slumps and there's nothing terribly wrong with your life, there's also nothing wrong with you. This is not abnormal. It is not depression. It is not yeah. psychiatric. It is just a natural transition, which we go through, we could talk about why, but it's a little bit like adolescence. Not everyone has a difficult adolescence, but a lot of people do. We understand that. We provide lots of social support. We provide lots of counseling and ways for people to understand that. What we do about people with a midlife slump is we say, oh, Louise, you must be having your midlife crisis. You're going to get that red sports car? <laughs> we mock yeah. people. Mm, yeah. so we, we call it a crisis. It's not a crisis. It's a perfectly healthy transition. Mm -hmm. But we call it a crisis. Yeah, we're not broken, are we? Yeah. Um, which, which stigmatizes <laughs> it. People think, oh, my God, I'm about to, you know, my, I'm gonna th my family's going to get disrupted. So that adds to the fear. So, so just normalizing it, not treating it as a crisis is just a it's not the only thing we can do, but it's a big part of what we can do. And then support people who are going through it. Don't make fun of them. Don't ridicule them. Mm. It's a very normal thing. It's a natural thing. It happens to so many people. And there's a reward for it, which is really important. It's a transition mm. to something. So you wouldn't want to get rid of it, even if you could, because it leads to better things ahead. Right. Yeah, which is so. Can we just go back? Is is our brains changing? Then is that what's going on as we get older? So we don't really know. Mm. We know that something pretty fundamental is going on because the same pattern is observed in chimps and orangutans. Mm. So something fairly fundamental is happening, but we also know it's partly social because the shape of this curve, the trajectory, uh, when it bottoms out, differs by country and culture. So it's. Some mix of country and culture. Mm. I think what's going on, and this is me now, this is not hard science. Mm. I think it's a combination of three vectors. I call them the three R's just to remember them. They're realism, revaluing, and rewiring. Realism is that when we're young, you know, in our 20s, 
we make a forecast error. We assume that if we achieve the things that we dream of in our 20s, we'll be super satisfied with our lives, you know, the, the house, the relationship, the job, whatever it is. But that's not how ambition works. Ambition keeps moving the goalposts. Yeah. So every time we achieve something, we think of two other things that we want. Right. That goes on into our 20s and 30s and our 20s. We think, well, this year I'm disappointed, next year I won't be. But by the time we're 40, we've been through about 20 years of achieving and achieving and still not getting there. So we become pessimistic about ever feeling good about where we are and, and disappointed in how good we feel. That's the forecast error. But that begins to work itself out because of number two, which is revaluing. Mm. As we move through middle age, our values begin to shift away from ambition and social competition and toward connection and cooperation. Mm. That's the relationships and people that we care most about. And that really is rewarding. That doesn't move the goalposts. That's really what no. you want to be doing if you want rewards in life, is loving people and being loved, connecting valuing those relationships. Mm. So as our values shift, we move in this very positive direction, but there's this time in between when the old values of ambition have failed us and disappointed us, and the new ones haven't really come in yet. Mm. And then there's a third thing that happened implicit in your question, which is rewiring, which is simply that our brains change as we age. Mm. Everything that you think you know about the aging process and emotional health is wrong. We become more positive as we age. This is shown in brain scans. You put older people and younger people in fMRI machines and expose them to positive and negative stimuli. The younger people will respond relatively more to the negative stimuli, the older people to the more positive stimuli. They're more, it's easier for older people to look at the brighter side of life. They experience less mm -hmm. stress in a given situation, less emotional volatility, less depression. And this goes right on through old age, and that's the payoff of the happiness curve. Once we're through this transition, the, the, the relationship between time and happiness, life satisfaction is upward right until the end of life. And that bad cycle of disappointment and pessimism turns into a positive cycle of positive surprise. Right. Every year, wow, I'm happier than I expected to be. What's going on? Mm. That's Well, that's fabulous. What marvellous news. So am I right in understanding? So this is... Uh, I, the transitional point, which I think I'm probably, I'm perhaps coming out of it a bit now because I'm 51. Um, uh, so there's a kind of um, a natural sort of lowering of expectations, which is good for us. Uh, um, and, you know, is it a case of surrendering to it? And should we embrace not striving anymore and not being ambitious? Uh, that feels very hard to do. And I think you, you you touched on that just now in that you've got this, uh, for me, a com conflicting feelings about, well, I should be doing this, but equally my what I want to do has changed and the, th the way I want to spend my time and the rest of my life has changed slightly. Uh, have I got that right? Is that is that what you mean by that transition point? Well, it's what you mean by that transition yeah. point. No two of us <laughs> experience it quite the same way. In mm. my book, I talk to... I just interviewed lots and lots of people. It's not all science. It's also about the subjective experience of going through this. I learned that no two people are quite alike, but what you describe is very common. In, in my case, I'm still ambitious. I'm working on a book right now that I hope will be my best book, and, wow. and I believe it will last a thousand years or maybe a hundred thousand years. Yeah. And 
you know, when the lights go out on the universe, it'll be the last, the last object that the last cockroach <laughs> is crawling over. So it's not that I've lost my ambition, but it's, I, I, I'm 60 now. Why? I'm on the upswing of the curve. I can feel that. And it's more like, for me, a sense of proportion. It, it's, it doesn't feel like all the eggs are in that one basket of, of ticking off the checklist of things that I need to accomplish. It's more like feeling yeah. a better sense of proportion Right. And not depending so much on that feeling of accomplishment. I haven't I haven't lost my ambition. Right. Okay. But I do feel now that, you know, if if somebody told me I had cancer and had a year or two left to live, I'd finish this book and then I'd focus on the people. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So up until you were what, sort of in your forties, because you were somebody who had you know, your life was full of massive achievements and uh, accomplishments, recognition, wasn't it? I mean, you were—am I right? You were in the on the cover of the Atlantic in your mid twenties, and yet even you felt that. Did so? Did you then sort of go, okay, that was great, but now I want to achieve this, and and I'll be happy when I've achieved that. That's what you're describing, is that right? That's what my mindset was telling me mm. intellectually. Mm. In, in my case, it was obvious I was acting, or th- or that my emotions were were not rationally connected to my situation because when I was 45, against all expectations, I won the highest award magazine journalists can win in the US. Mm. It's the National Magazine Award and it's the equivalent of the Pulitzer Prize. I never expected that. Yeah. And that finally gave me that sense of real satisfaction and achievement that I had been waiting for for about two weeks. Mm-hmm. And then it dissipated, and I was right back to the morning demon saying oh. I had wasted my life and I needed to quit my job oh, and start and do something worthwhile. Oh. And at that point, I said, okay, Jonathan, this is completely irrational. Whatever is happening here does not have to do with the objective circumstances of my life. And that's the real paradox here. That's what makes this so hard to process. This is a syndrome that's especially common among high achievers who are achieving their goals. Because remember, there are a lot of things that determine your life satisfaction. It's like a river voyage in which time, your age is is the undercurrent, and it's a powerful undercurrent, pulls against you in midlife and then turns around. But, But in a river journey, lots of things determine your voyage, including what your destination is and what's the weather like, what's the condition of your boat, how strong of a rower are you, are you getting enough to eat? So in the case of someone with a lot of turmoil and difficulty in their life, if they're not feeling satisfied, they have a lot of things to ascribe that to and a lot of things they can try to fix. But if you're someone like me or maybe you and everything else is going smoothly in life, you really feel that undercurrent and you really feel like, wait a minute, I don't have any excuse for feeling the way I do. No. I must just be becoming <laughs> some kind of whiner. <laughs> I think it's also really interesting what you were saying before about your reaction to that. It almost fans the flames. There is the way that you're feeling and then that panic and the spiraling that goes on. I do think, you know, again, with our podcast, it just hopefully people will kind of check out your um, your your work and maybe fall down that rabbit hole to actually educate themselves and, and learn more about it. So the, the, there is no need to fear it. This is just 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 a, a normal transition in life. Natural, mm, normal, yeah. healthy. It will never be fun to go through. 
but it does not need yeah. to be as isolated and alarming as it is. So what would you say to people who reach 50 and just ha- and just go, well, it's all downhill from here? Because I think actually that's what we're kind of fed, isn't it, as well? That, that sort of like, oh, you know, it is all downhill from 50. I mean, I'm not thinking that, but, you know, what would you say to people who do think that? Well, this gets to what I hope is the biggest single takeaway of my book, which is this is not a mm. problem for me to fix or for you to fix. This is a problem for us as a society to fix. Because what's happening here is this this story that we tell ourselves, at least in the UK and America, sets up all the wrong expectations. And it's that at 50, at 45 or 50, we should be at the peak of our emotional um, mastery and our competence, and we're taking care of kids possibly, and also parents possibly, and we've got the big career, and this is the peak Mm. of life, but then we're going to hit our our 50s and then 60s, and we're gradually going to decline. We're going to become more curmudgeonly, and we're going to lose our cognitive edge, and we're going to decline into depression, dementia, despair, and death, all bad things that begin with D. And so if we're not feeling at the peak of our life satisfaction at age 50, we think it's all downhill. Of course, that makes us even more pessimistic. What people need to understand is that the reverse is actually true. For many people, midlife is the hardest part of adult life, and it's going to get better. And for many people who are in this situation, the most important form of therapy is just wait. Just understand it's natural and things will get better. You'll age out of it, which is exactly what happened to me. So that's hugely important. We've got to change the social story that we're telling about aging because it's exactly backwards. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's actually a good news book, this. You know, we're living longer at, it turns out, the most emotionally rewarding time of our lives. We're living longer, so we get more of that good stuff. (laughs) Who knew? I call it, and I think this is literally true, the greatest gift in the entire history of the human species is happening right now. I mean, it may be fire and the wheel, Um, and a few other things. But what we're talking about is that right now, humanity is gaining an additional 10, 15, ultimately 20, more than 20 years of additional lifespan Mm. in exactly the most satisfying and pro-social time of life. This is the 60s, 70s, and 80s, when we're at our most inclined to give back to, to our communities, to each other, when we have experience, when we have wisdom, when we're likely to feel more satisfied with where we are, this is where we're getting all those additional years. And it's so important we not throw that away with age discrimination and myths about sidelining, you know, about, about old age being a, a time of gloom and despair. Um, the old system where people just retire and, and fall off the map at 65, that's completely obsolete. Mm. Yeah. Because people don't want to do that. They're in this period of life now. They've got these additional years. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a tremendous piece of good news if only we have the presence of mind to seize this gift. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I mean it's an absolute must read for all of us. You know, and a, yeah, really reassuring to understand how to navigate that stage of, of life. So I'm gonna obviously put all the details up on our show notes, but can you just tell us now where people can discover more about the book and more about you as well? Check out my book website, happinesscurvebook.com, and there you'll find links to all the usual places where you can buy the book. Mm -hmm. 
Plus, it's there's a UK edition which was just absolutely wonderfully done, and you can find mm -hmm. it in bookshops around Britain. So I'd encourage people mm -hmm. to check all that out if they're interested in me personally. I've got a personal website with lots of my writing on it. Okay, it's called JonathanRausch.com, as you might expect. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And on Twitter, you're on Twitter. I think. Yes. You're not on Instagram. John J O N yeah. underscore Rausch R A U C H is my Twitter handle. Okay. I don't tweet a lot because it doesn't make me happy. Why doesn't it make you happy? Because people is it because people are really can be really horrible on Twitter. <laughs> And, and no one pays me. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you just get toxic energy um, and and don't even uh, get paid for it. Yeah. More seriously, I don't. I don't mind Twitter. I, I find it useful, mm. but face to face and and real interpersonal interaction is so much more rewarding. That mm. so I mentioned I'm 60 and I'm I'm increasingly finding myself more focused on the relationships and the actual people, and I, I just feel like it's. It's so much more attractive day to day to be making contact with human beings like the two of you and Paul. Paul is not so bad himself. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> He's I only allowed to get any recognition. <laughs> He's only allowed to speak when I let him, Jonathan. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for explaining and normalising something that um, pretty much all midlifers are, are going to ex experience. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of light bulb moments happening when whatever you're doing, whether you're walking the dog or, or driving along, um, that, you know, there may be some people go, oh, shit, OK, yeah, that mm. That's actually that that pattern is ringing a bell with me or somebody maybe that you know, and it's great that we can sort of shed a light on that. So thank you so much. A privilege to be here and a joy to meet you. Thank you. A podcast from producer Paul Dakota.uk. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.